Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Cranked and Ranked, the podcast where me and Mr. Eddie Sparks rank discographies sometimes, sometimes other stuff, sometimes random shit. <laughs> but today, like we do occasionally, we are ranking our favorite albums from a particular year. And without further ado, God damn it, I said it again. What is wrong with me? Anyway, drinking game. I'm old head. With me as always, Eddie Sparks. Ho, ho, ho. It is the festive season. Yeah, that's why I got green. I don't know if you've noticed that I have lights around my room now. And I've been changing them to fit kind of if it's a band, I'll try to fit it to the band. Or I'm just like, oh, the Christmas season kind of just fully started. So I'll use green today. (laughs) Since this is not trees. an actual band. Yeah, trees, you know. Um, but uh, plus, I think it gives my room like a nicer look. It's just, you know, I kind of I kind of dig it. But yeah. anyway, and um, yeah, where were we? Yes, we're, we're going to be ranking our top 10 favorite albums from 1994. And as usual, I say top 10 favorites because there's no way to say that these are the best, especially because... I'll go ahead and get this out of the way. I had to narrow it down from a possible list of 35 albums that could have made the top 10. 35. So I had to leave classic albums, albums that I love, albums that most people or other people would put in their top 10. I'd be like, fuck yeah. But in the end, I had to be really true to myself and be like, well, how do I really feel about these and, and, and how are they, how are they affecting me in my life and, you know, my actual enjoyment of them? So, but it was a, it was a chore. I thought this was going to be an easy <laughs> year to do and it wasn't. I literally nah. went, yeah, there's going to be, maybe I'll have a hard time putting together a top 10. No, it was, the hard time was the opposite <laughs> way where I had way too many albums to choose from. But, but before we get there, we, we have to talk about something important. Because yes. um, today is uh, the 4th of December, 2022, mm-hmm. if you're listening to this in the future, I'm giving you context. And this past, was it Monday? This past Monday. Yeah. There, the day there, after we recorded the last episode. Okay. Um, a new Metallica song premiered, which at this point is old news to a lot of people. And it's called Lux Eterna. And I, I had no fucking, nobody had any clue it was coming out. But I feel mm-hmm. like I'm normally like on top of things, and but I had to get a, a message from Eddie. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> this is one I beat you to. You did, you did. I yeah. had no fucking clue, and so and even when even at that point we were so early that when you yeah. went to the YouTube video, there was no album link. It was updated later to actually include links to an album. So at first I'm like, yeah, this is a song, but what is it for? I don't know. I'm. I'm going to come out and say this right now. I am one of the first 400 people to like that video. Nice. I don't remember what I was. And thousand something. Yeah. I took note of it because I thought this is an event and who knows what the future holds. But all I know is I can turn around and say when I revisit that music video, I was one. 
I was there within the first 10 fucking minutes. Hell, first five minutes of it being posted. Yeah. The song couldn't have even played twice in the span of time that I showed up. <laughs> yeah. And it's a short one. So the, so we, we, I was going to mention this before we even started the podcast, but Eddie said, let's just save it for the podcast because we do talk about Metallica a lot. And so before yeah. we even get to 1994, when there is no Metallica album, let's just shoehorn in some Metallica talk. So, <laughs> so yeah, I asked you how many times have you listened to the song now? It's been almost a week. Hmm. Um, about 10 times on the first day. Yeah. About five times on the fifth day. And then at least once or twice every day this past week. Yeah. I, I listened yeah. to it three or four times the first day. Cause I, I was, I try, I, I don't want to get burnt out on one particular song. So when the album comes out, I go, Oh, it's this song again. But mm-hmm. I find myself, what I found myself is at least once a day since then I've gone back to listen to the song. But as the week got further along, it started just living in my head. Yep. So yep. I'd be like trying to go to sleep and I would hear like the riff or, the, or I'd hear the chorus just yeah. stuck in my head. And I'm just like, well, I guess this, I guess it's a, that means it's a good song, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you should have seen my fucking face when, when that first chorus hit. Like, oh, it's, it's great. It's really catchy. It, initially I was like, this is hardwired. With more reverb and more eighties and oh my good god it fucking rules. Like so that's in comparison, when Hardwired came out, I remember the day that song dropped, and I remember I just thought it was pretty good. And everyone else is mm. like, oh my god, it's fast. I'm like, yeah, but fast doesn't equal good. This is a situation where I heard the song and I go, This is actually pretty damn good. And then the more I listened to it, the more I, I liked it. And yeah. And so I actually feel like I'm more excited for this album than I was for Hardwired. But that being said, there's a lot of talk because the song is very reminiscent of not only their early stuff, but a lot of their influences. And the fact that the album is, you know, was it 37 seasons? Is that is that what it's called? Not 30. 72. <laughs> 37 is like a fucking Kevin Smith. You were thing. halfway there. <laughs> 37 dicks. My girlfriend sucked 37 dicks in a row. <laughs> Um, 72 seasons. Um, and, uh, and it has something to do with like the beginning years of, of, of life or something like that. From what I read in the description of the formative years. And so, yeah, it makes me feel like, is this going to be a bunch of stuff where they try to write a bunch of throwback songs? Cause if that's the case, I may be underwhelmed by the album. And I know I go completely against everybody else because all these people are just like, I hope it sounds like kill them all. And I'm just like, oh, God, I don't want them to do that. They did it already. I want yeah. them. I would rather them still do middle of the road Metallica than go back and try to write classic thrash or, or just classic metal type tunes. But you know, I'm going to love it either way. It's, you know, for me personally, I mean, you know, whew. I mean, there's a trajectory from Kill 'Em All all the way through to St. Anger where they're pushing some sort of envelope. Yeah. Where they're like, you know, you could argue that Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets are kind of similar, but they just got really good at doing what they were doing with that. They got more technical on Justice, flipped the complete opposite way with the Black Album, went even further with Load and Reload, 
And then, you know, if you exclude kind of garaging and um, S&M and that, you know, you, you reach St. Anger, which was... But, but even while, that, but even yeah. that, S&M was an experiment in itself. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then, and where, then even, even Death Magnetic, if you mm-hmm. take it for what it is, was actually kind of an experiment for them as well. Because not yeah. only it was... A lot of it was taking them out of their comfort zone um, and hmm. and doing music they hadn't done in a long time, but also working with somebody they'd never worked with. Following that yeah. up with fucking Lulu, they've they've literally just done, in my opinion, nothing that doesn't come across as some sort of step forward in some way. Or hmm. or you know, like I say, sometimes sometimes it's a step up and sometimes it's out. I feel yes. like I feel like. Everything has been some sort of there's been some sort of different vibe to everything they've done, even with Ride the Lightning and, and Master of Puppets, where I said it's more of a expansion of what they did on Ride the Lightning. For sure. I definitely think like I, I, I'm pretty sure it's Greg Fiddleman again yeah. this time around. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell the pro- the production is, is hear, hear me out. They've taken what they did with Hardwired, mm. but they've given it the missing piece. The balls? To my ear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, yeah, like, to me, the big thing that stood out to me was how fucking good James sounded with that reverb tail kind of on his voice. Oh, yeah. That adds so much to the mix, and it's it's subtle, but it's there. Yeah. And when it's you effective. hone in on it, yeah. Because for a long time, James's vocals have been quite um, dry. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But eh. I, want, I, want, I want vocals to soar, you yeah. know? Yeah, especially in something yeah, like the- that. I do, I do agree that the sound is similar. But yeah, the, I've all, I noticed that on this particular song, because one of my big gripes on Hardwired was the sound of the snare. Because sometimes mm. there was too much treble and not enough thickness in the snare sound to where it sounded very that, light sometimes but this one it sounds it sounds a little bit heavier and i kind of did yeah. that the big the big thing that everyone's talking about is lars obviously though because of the double mm-hmm. bass on the the weird thing is that people that aren't actually metallica fans and i mm-hmm. and some of them will say they are but they only really like the old stuff and don't know fuck all about anything that happened after the black album even though they have an opinion but they will say things like, you know, Lars can't play the double bass or, you know, like that. But I'm like, you watch footage. That's nowhere of, near you watch the footage fastest. Of, but you watch footage of them recording. Like, I'm not even talking yeah. about old stuff. Death Magnetic and Hardwired. There's studio footage where you're seeing his feet and him playing yeah. the <laughs> fucking <laughs> double <laughs> kick. <laughs> so whether or not he decides to eliminate some of that in the live setting, because I know he does that. But I know, but it's because mm-hmm. it's a fucking two and a half hour gig where he does yeah. more physically than most people would ever be able to do in two and a half hours. That's why. Yeah. That's why I hate it when people give him shit because I'm all like, you couldn't do it. There's mm-hmm. there are there are drummers that could, but most people with, with a fucking opinion on Lars could not do what he does, and and he can do the yeah. double bass. And like the, the the thing is for me is like sure, Dyer's Eve, right? So they, 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 they don't play that anymore for a reason, probably. Yeah. <laughs> That's too fast. Well, <laughs> well uh, the thing is like as well when they did, you know, 
Lars would substitute the with a yeah. You haven't you haven't lost everything. Of course, I mean on the album it sounds. Well, I feel awesome, like for for this particular song, you, you can't lose that double bass because nah. it's got it's that overkill by, by Motorhead type thing. It's such an important part to that intro and that part of the song that he's gonna have to step his shit up because when I see them live and there's no double bass, I'm gonna call him out on it. Which I did get tickets, <laughs> by the way. I don't know if you know that. I got tickets nice. to the. Here's the fucking thing. I was like, I'm probably not gonna be able to afford to go. Because it's you're paying for two shows. Hmm. Each show, there's no one show tickets. It's just two shows. Each show has completely different set list. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to afford it. So I went there just on a whim. And I said, you know what? I'm going to reverse this and say, show me. Because I did the 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 fifth member early, early uh, entry or early whatever, where I could get the yep. tickets earlier than the general public. And I was like, show me the best of the cheap seats. And my seats are not close by any means, but they were a hundred dollars. Wow. That's $50 a show. <laughs> and one of the shows is fucking Pantera and uh mammoth, uh, uh, Van Halen kids band playing. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, even if it is pretty far away, cause it's a stadium, I'm, I'm still like in the fucking room with Metallica two nights playing completely different set lists. I'm like, that is a fucking steal right there. A hundred bucks a ticket. I'll be honest. I saw Metallica at Twickenham Stadium uh-huh. in 2019 uh, before the pandemic came and fucked everything up for yeah. two years. But uh, yeah, the I remember I was in one of the, you know, upper seated areas. Yeah. Pretty much as far from the stage as you could get. But I had a complete view of everything. Yeah. I took everything in and i'm not gonna lie you know those giant pyro towers that shot flames out of the top of them yeah i damn near had my fucking eyebrows singed <laughs> off because i was right there i was like i was like eye level with the flames yeah. so when they went off it was like there's like a giant blowtorch in my face but yeah yeah i'm yeah i'm, I'm very much looking forward to that the 2023 is going to be a good year for me already just because in I believe it's May. I'm going to see Anthrax, and then August I'm going to see Metallica. I'm just like that's you nice. know, two of my favorites right there, and so that's uh, that's pretty exciting. Anyway, that's yeah. anything else you want to say about Metallica? I feel like we've we've wedged in Metallica talk in the beginning of this episode. Well, sandwiched in between your two things you're looking forward to, I will be going to Download Festival oh. where Metallica are playing two separate nights. And it's a four-day thing. Are you going to time. all four days? Potentially. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm definitely seeing both Metallica sets. That's so fucking sweet. On what, yeah, depending on what day they fall on. Yeah. Now, I will say this. I'm going to have to do some serious fucking homework <laughs> on so many bands because the lineup is pretty much, barring Metallica largely new bands to me or bands that I've only casually heard and enjoyed a couple songs. Yeah. I suppose like a couple, you know, exceptions to the rule would probably be ghost and, um, municipal waste. But aside from that, you know, the rest of the lineup, I'm going to have to fucking grind. (laughs) Yeah. I have to admit when I saw the lineup for that, I wasn't because download is usually chock full of a lot of bands I want to see, but this time I'm like, Oh, it's really just Metallica. 
the other yeah. the other bands I either don't know or don't really I wouldn't really want to go see. Which is why I'm My, glad um, I'm why I'm glad that that's not how I'm dealing with it over here because I wouldn't I just wouldn't <laughs> go probably. <laughs> I will say my uh, my partner uh, said that if it weren't for the fact Metallica was playing twice, she would probably have cancelled her ticket. Yeah, <laughs> I. Uh, but um, yeah, go, no, go ahead. Uh, that's all I had to say. I was going to say though, consider, considering that you know I've I've I found that with my Metallica ticket, I get to see this quote unquote Pantera reunion. Have you seen the footage of them from their first show back? Uh. Not really. I mean, I've seen little bits, but I've not seen anything to make a concise. Um, I mean, if if they want to get up and play songs, cool. Well, here here's the thing. I love Charlie Benante, so I want to I want to support it just for him. Mm. Um, and for what they were doing, the little clips I saw sounded good. But here's the problem, and this is a I feel like this is a me problem, and people like me, which I feel like there's not very many of us. In order for Phil to sing the songs, they're playing it at a key that is so low that a couple of times I didn't know what song it was. They were they did Mouth for wow. War. I think it was yeah, it was Mouth for War, and I or no, it was that and Cowboys from Hell, where I was like, "What song is this?" So much so that it changes the entire mood of the song. Where instead of like, it's like. It's like, and I'm just like, well, just at that point, maybe don't do it. <laughs> but but people seem to be loving it, and maybe I'll change my tune when I'm seeing it live. Maybe the energy will be there, and I'll have a good time. And you know, but it's mm. it's kind of underwhelming from that aspect because I, I I have something weird in my brain. Megadeth does that shit too. They play songs at such a low key. That I go, this is a completely different song now, especially with in songs <laughs> that like shift to like different parts here and there. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, where, do, where, where are we now in this song? Because I especially when you have a song ingrained in your head, like, you know, Hangar 18 or something like that. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. But it's but once again, that's nitpicking. And, and if they're having a good time and they're making a profit and they're getting Pantera music out there, maybe to some people that don't already know it, then great. I don't. Yeah, I'd imagine as well. Probably in the room, the vibe is probably a lot different. Probably, like in in terms of like everybody's just glad to see him there playing the song, you know. Yeah, and and also, Pantera's a a, a drinking band anyway. So yeah, like, that's know. what I got to do yeah. that that night. I'm yeah. like, just make sure I have enough beers in me before Pantera starts. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. That's enough. That's enough unrelated talking. We kind of this is a we don't normally do that. It's almost like you know we did like a topical portion of the episode of what's yes. going on in current events, and now News we're moving roundup. on to the to the meat of the episode, which is our top ten favorite albums of 1994. Like yes. I already said, this one was rough, and <laughs> yeah, I left I left so many good ones behind that if a couple of them are on your list, I'm gonna be like fuck yeah, I'm gonna be so happy that they're there, but. I really, yeah, I really had to like, I almost had to like do like a, some sort of chart where I was just like, how many of the songs are bangers on the album that I, you know, un- unfuckwithable? How long has this album been in my life? Uh, how, how, 
much effect as this album had on me over the years. Um, I, I, did, I took all, I literally did way too much homework for this episode in order to narrow down 35 albums to 10 albums. <laughs> and I'm still a little weary of my choices. The, I, three, three of the albums on my list are the only albums that those bands ever released. Like that's wow. Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> um, so that's pretty fascinating. But did you, did you have as hard of a time? Did you have a lot to choose from? I mean, you know, it being as, you know, anything pre my birth, I'm always going to be playing catch up to some extent. Sure. You know, you have a 20 year head start over me. Well, fuck, <laughs> but, 1994, but, I was 16 yeah. years old. I was, I was in the shit. Like I was already into that trying to discover all the fucking music that I could all the time. Give me the new shit. Cause once you know, you, you, you went through it too. Once you in your early teens or whenever it happens, once you f- have that feeling that you realize that a good piece of music can give you that fucking feeling where it's just like in your soul and, and make yeah. it, it almost like affects who you are. Once you get mm-hmm. that feeling, then you're constantly just looking to, to do it more and more and more. And as a 16 year old, that's uh, that's what life was about for me. It was just like I want to find all the new music. I, I watched, you know, I, you know, I, it doesn't matter what it was. It was if I, I watched MTV all the time. I read the metal magazines. I, you know, would talk to friends who listen to other bands. I would look at the shit on you know the thank you list on on albums and then go listen to those bands. I was just trying my best to find whatever the fuck I could. So that was a big a big deal. Um, but there was a lot. There's a lot of good shit in 1994. <laughs> I guess let's go oh, ahead cool. start then. What what uh, what did you have as your? Oh, hold on. I forgot. I had something else I wanted to do. I apologize, folks. Oh, oh. This, this is important, though. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but it, you, I think you did. A few days ago, I posted from our Spotify Wrapped for Cranked and Ranked. Yes. Now I wanted to I wanted to give a few shout outs because the thing that was interesting is that our our podcast is available on many other places aside from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, like all these different places that you can go and listen to our podcast. But just on Spotify alone, the things that that I saw, I was like, this is this is fascinating because it said that we were. The top in the top twenty five percent of most shared globally, which that's pretty cool. Mm. But here's the yeah. one that got me: the top ten percent of most followed. And I'm just like ten percent. Like there's a lot of podcasts. We're in the top ten percent of most followed. Where I, and 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 I'm just like, where's our fucking sponsor? <laughs> and, but, so what I wanted to say was the one of the main things said that. There were a lot of people where we were their top podcast of the year. And it mm. said that there were 305 people that we were their number one podcast on Spotify. And then another few hundred, we were in the top five. And then another few hundred, we were in the top 10. So I'm like, that's wow. pretty sweet. But there were three guys in, in particular that over on my various social medias, they posted the pictures of their thing. And it had the, the minutes that they listened this year. And so I wanted to give those guys shout outs if you're listening, which hopefully you are or watching on YouTube. Um, first up, we have Darren Quinn, who listened this year for 634 minutes. That's, wow. That's nice. pretty damn good. 
Then we have Greg Meyer, who listened to to us for 1,694 minutes this year. Whoa. And then um, Jarlith O'Grady listened to us for 2,925 minutes this year. So, gentlemen, we salute you, peanut butter platypus, and anyone else that I don't know that, that you know that we were your number one podcast. Feel free to drop me a line at oldheadpodcast at gmail.com and let me know how many minutes can, can you beat 2,925 minutes listened to crank, cranked. God, I got so excited, I forgot who you were. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I wanted to get I just wanted to you know to thank those people and thank everyone out there because sometimes it feels like we're talking to nobody, sometimes it feels like we're talking to 10 people, and then occasionally I have to remind myself like, well, there are a good amount of people that, you know, weekly we're giving them some kind of escape or some kind of enjoyment and yeah. It's pretty sweet. It's a good feeling. And the thing to remember as well is, you know, we only really read the uh YouTube comments yeah, because you know that's the only one with comments. You know, yeah. Whereas you know everything else, but it all adds up. And uh, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's great. And I can't. I, I would. I would. I would. I wish that they did these kind of things for because I don't think they do it for Apple Podcasts. But eventually, there's got to be some way to consolidate everything so you know exactly. You know, a podcast chart like a Billboard chart where they just mm-hmm. do they have one of those. Where they combine all of the things and then they show you because it seems like it's just it's per platform and not all podcasts all together. They gotta have something. Eventually, yeah. I feel like they will. Anyway, so yeah, so here, here, let's let's get let's get on with the meat of of uh, three hundred and five people's number one podcast on Spotify, <laughs> um, and that is the top ten albums of nineteen ninety four. All right, finally cool. we're here. What is your number nice. ten album of nineteen ninety four? Okay, so my number 10 album of 1994 is Purple by Stone Tumble Pilots. Sweet. So this album is, you know, it's my second favorite Stone Tumble Pilots album. Yeah. Uh, I do miss the wet, chorusy, weird, chimey vibes of Core. Mm-hmm. Like, Core is so ingrained into what I love about that era of rock yeah. that it's... It can be hard for me to divorce. I have I have a similar problem with Ten and the rest of Pearl Jam's discography. Yeah, because I'm like I love Ten's sound and sonic aesthetic so much that any other Pearl Jam album is like I can't fuck with this. It's really good. I just wish it had a little more reverb on the like whole mix. <laughs> but that yeah. being said. That being said, though, I mean, songs like Meat Plow, Vaseline, Interstate Love Song, fucking Silver Gun Superman, Big Empty. I mean, it's an album that I do love. Yeah. Um, maybe not as much as Core, but goddamn, dude. Whenever I hear this, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's there's a reason this is liked, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember the first time I heard it, and it was it, 1994 is kind of like the beginner of of, a, of an era of grower albums for me. Yeah, where it's like they kind of take a couple listens to sink in. Um, there's a few of those on my list actually, but they've gone on to be some of my favorites. That being said, there are nine songs I like, but nine albums. albums. Sorry, I, I yeah, sorry. 
That's all right. Now, it's only the first one, and I'm already tripping up. <laughs> that's, that's all right. Um, so that's a good. That's a good. Uh, I mean, it's a great album. So my number ten. I'm going a little more extreme with this. With the first of three albums that this was the only album that this band put out. My number ten is uh, Point Blank by Nail Bomb, which, nice. if you don't know, is. Uh, Side project with Max Cavalera from Sepultura and Alex Newport from Fudge Tunnel, and they have you know other people playing with them. I think I yeah. think uh, <laughs> Andreas is on. No, he's not. Andreas isn't on there. Anyway, I don't know. There's other people from Sepultura on there, and uh, and and stuff like that. Words not working now, but let's move on. No, it's, I'm just kidding. So nail bomb. Let's cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> Top 10 most followed. Um, yeah, that's what you get, guys. Um, so I, I when, when Nail Bomb came out, it was like a big deal, and I didn't know anything about it. I don't know how it wasn't on my radar, but I remember just being in the record store in 94 and just seeing this album that had a sticker on it that said featuring Max from Sepultura and, and um, Alex from Fudge Tunnel. And I loved both of those bands at that point. And I'm just like, holy shit, I'm going to get this. And it's, I love the album because it's like very aggressive, but also it's, they're experimenting with industrial sounds on some of the tracks. And there's just a, a really sort of enjoyable who gives a shit kind of vibe to the album because they didn't try to like write really complicated lyrics or complicated riffs. It's almost like a, a metal and industrial through like a punk rock kind of mindset. And it's just so good. I, I love the, the combination of Max and Alex's voices on it. And I love the little bits of, you know, 90s industrial kind of shit that's on it. And it's just like, it's one of those albums that I think really sounds like 1994 to me because in 94 like parts of metal were were getting more aggressive and other parts were getting more experimental and i feel like nail bomb is kind of a uh an example of like both of those things at the same time and and yeah they did they played you know one concert as nail bomb and put out a live album of that one concert and then that was it they yeah. never they've I, I'm gonna say they've never done anything again, even though Max did go on tour as uh nail bomb and that was really dumb because their Alex Newport was not there. And if I ever <laughs> if I ever get a chance to interview Alex Newport, which we're still in talks to eventually make that happen. Um, I'm nice. going to ask him all about that. Like, you know, did, did you, did you know anything about this? <laughs> Cause I know he probably wouldn't even be bothered to do it, but, um, Anyway, it's a classic for me. It's been one that like I've loved ever since it came out and I just love I love the experimental and aggressive nature of the album and it's just fun as fuck. So that's my number 10, uh Point Blank from Nail Bomb. Very nice. I'm I'm keeping it in a in the kind of grunge zone for mine for now. Okay. So next up, uh some might think that this is kind of sacrilegiously low on my list, but I have a reason for that. And uh, my number nine is Super Unknown by Soundgarden. Okay. This is not even on my list, so I'm very happy that it's on yours. This is one of the classic ones that I had to leave behind. Damn, dude. Yeah. Um, 
So, like like I said with the previous one, uh, this one's really grown on me over the years. Uh-huh. Excellent songwriting. I mean, let me drown. My wave fell on black days. Fucking mailman, dude. Limo uh, wreck is on there too. There's a lot of really fucking great songs on that album. And we haven't even mentioned Black Hole Sun or Spoon Man. Fucking yet, spoon, yeah, you spoon, know. spoon Man. I mean, I love that. That that's why it hurts me to leave this off because there's so much on it that I love. But it is an album that didn't stick with me for like hmm. my entire life. There are songs I've always loved, but it's kind of a it comes and goes in my life as one that I really want to listen to. Soundgarden for me is louder than love and bad motor finger. Like those are the ones I always go to. But, I'm I am the same. Yeah. yeah. But I love Super like Unknown. That, yeah, like that's that's the thing. The the day I tried to live, man, fourth uh, of July. The, the my thing is, and I remember we mentioned this in the in the Soundgarden episode, or at least I did, uh, I like Soundgarden's early, dirty, grungy sound. Whereas this is a lot more cleaned up, um, kind of sounds so well recorded that I feel like it takes away some of the dirt (laughs) vibe, you know? Yeah. You know, and people people will point to Super Unknown and, and say... You know, oh, it's one of the best sounding recordings of the 1990s. Yes, but was grunge? Did grunge make a name for itself for sounding, you know, palatable? That being said, the songs on this are just so fucking good. Yeah, and I can't deny that. And over the years, this one's grown and grown and grown on me. Um, but I remember you said something as well, and I felt kind of dumb for always feeling it. But like, you know, I remember when you finally said it, I felt totally comfortable about it. When I hear this album, I hear that he cut his hair, and it was just like the <laughs> yeah. end of the era. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does sound like Soundgarden yeah. with short haircuts. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. You could, that's, you, that's like you know, load and reload. That sound like Metallica with haircuts. And it, I, I know it's I know it's kind of shallow to to say that on the surface, but to me, long hair Soundgarden is an era, <laughs> and then short hair Soundgarden is an era, and I don't mean that as in just image wise. I mean sonically, they yeah. they took a step in a more um, I don't want to say professionally recorded direction because all of their stuff sounds good. Yeah, but there's a there's a dirtiness to their um, earlier albums that I just prefer over Super Unknown. But you know, I can't. My ears are like, yeah, but the songs though, the songs are fucking killer. Yeah. So you know, obviously, it's going to make my list for 1994, and I think very highly of most of Soundgarden's discography. So, yeah. um. With that, oh, we did an episode on Soundgarden and, and Stone Temple Pilots. And, yeah, and STP. Yeah, yep. So, so if you haven't heard those, go check those out. If you like, if you like a bit of grunge, um, but yeah, back over to you for your number nine. All right. Well, then let's move on very quickly. Uh, we, we actually just talked about this band. Uh, this is my number nine album of 1994, uh, Far Beyond Driven. By Pantera, nice. and I got I got the old the original one. I don't. This is not the original cover. This is the like this is the original vinyl, and for some reason the CD and cassette had one artwork 
on it. And then the LP had a different one, which I don't really yeah. like this one as much. It's, you know, I'm not. I always I, preferred the blue. I'm not I, all I about. Always, I don't like butthole action, you know, some except for sometimes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Far Beyond Driven, it. It's a very special album for me just because it's another all of these for the most part I could say I remember I remember where I bought the album like I remember I bought Nail Bomb on cassette originally at Tower Records I bought Far Beyond Driven at Best Buy um, and it's just like it's like one of those things where it's just so ingrained in my head like even I know where I got all these albums from and it's it's one that like I I for a long time, it was one that I thought I, that I enjoyed more than Vulgar Display of Power or Cowboys from Hell. I just thought it was amazing. And honestly, about half of the material now, I would still say is some of their strongest stuff. But as the years have gone on, Cowboys and Vulgar have both kind of risen above it as as like, I think, just overall as albums better um, we did yeah. a Pantera ranking as well, a two-parter, I believe, of the Pantera ranking. Yep, we didn't we didn't puss out. We included the AE stuff as well. Yeah. And, um, so. and but I I just think I think it's a really badass, aggressive '90s metal album. It goes a little lower on the list for me just because I think that the latter half has a few songs that I go. These are not as kick-ass as the rest of it. And um, but yeah, it's just fucking, you know, slaughtered is my favorite Pantera song. It is ridiculously good. And I'm broken is amazing. It's just like chock full of cool shit. And it's like, you know, at this point talking about Pantera, like, you know, I think all the people that like Pantera know all about Pantera. I I think I think (laughs) at this point there's a camp of people that absolutely hate Pantera. And then and then the people that love Pantera and uh, I, you know, I, I'm I love them. They're great. And I mean, I, I, we'll find out what happens with this fucking reunion thing. But you know, anyway, <laughs> far beyond driven is my. I feel like that was the most like non eloquent eloquent <laughs> album whatever that I've ever done. I couldn't even come up with a word for it. Anyway, all right, number what that was my number nine. Now we're on to your number eight album of 1994. Cool. So this one is a little bit more of a, it's like a deep cut of of the grunge thing. Um, I've gone with Hungry for Stink by L7. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So this is their, this is their fourth album. And, you know, when, when you get an L7 album, you kind of know what, you, what you're in for. Yeah. You know, like 10 to 12 songs of just metallic punky grunge Mm -hmm. uh fun songs dirty attitude um you know throwing a tampon at a rowdy crowd member (laughs) yeah it it, badass energy runs through pretty much any l7 release i've always been a big fan especially uh especially um bricks are heavy and uh Fuck, what's it called? Smell the uh, magic. Smell the magic. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Um, but this one's also really good too. Um, and it's really heavy at points. Like Andre is is a pretty chuggy opener. Baggage, the bomb. Um, where's where's that one? Fuel my fire. 
but it's also got like fun eccentric songs like uh, Riding with a Movie Star, um, fucking Shirley. It's just how how many songs is it? Yeah, it's just twelve songs, forty five minutes of just heavy punky grunging, and I have a great time listening to it. Again, it's it's one of those where they're a band where you kind of know what you're gonna get. Sure, but they do do it well. Yeah. So I mean, that, that's a, yeah. There's something to be said for just putting on an album and having a good time. You know, like for sure. There's and I I feel like they were one of the grunge bands or quote, quote unquote you know grunge bands. Yeah. Who who embraced a little bit of you know a tongue-in-cheek let's have a fucking party vibe sure because i feel like a lot of the grunge bands took themselves quite seriously whereas bands like l7 were like yeah we fit in with these guys but we're pranksters and we'll have some fucking fun um all female band by the way in case anybody didn't know these are like the kind of riot girl kind of uh but you know they they always had a great time I, i remember seeing like videos of them doing pranks on faith no more yeah when they toured with them yeah so yeah i mean when it comes to that moniker of like an all-female band i think l7 are up there as, as one of the best um yeah. really but uh yeah not, that album's not on my list but it's a it's a damn good one um are you done with that one i i am, I am. all right i'm gonna be Hungry really for staying i'm gonna be really quick because what, what are we on seven eight eight um uh, my number eight is purple by uh, hey. Stone Temple Pilots, which nice. uh, Eddie already talked about. Twelve gracious melodies <laughs> to listen. Twelve gracious melodies. Um, I, this was my number one on the on the STP ranking, and I just think it's a fantastic album. It is of that era because you enjoyed them. <laughs> uh, I did, and the when it comes to like the you know nineties popular grunge albums i purple to me is one of the best ones it's up mm. there with dirt and you know never mind as just albums that i just i and, I, and we, I think i said this on the episode i feel like it's them kind of becoming themselves where i feel like mm. there was so much of their sound on core while i love that album that sounded so similar to what other bands were doing and then on purple it's almost like that they just kind of became their own version of it still fit in, hmm. but they were trying new things. And it just, it's just a, it's just a real confident and powerful nineties alternative rock album and still has the fucking heaviness, uh, that I, that I prefer from Stone Temple yeah. Pilots, but I don't have a lot to add. It's a great album. And the, the, these, my, 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 my bottom five, like honestly kept all like switching randomly. I would hear one song from one and go, oh, it's going to move up. Oh, I got to move that one up. And so finally I just had to stop here. And so my number eight is, uh, is, is purple by Stone Temple Pilots moving on. No. What was that? Yes. And now I'm moving on to number seven. God damn it. <laughs> cool. So uh, my number seven is we're, we're, we're finally stepping out of the grunge zone. All right. We're still, we're still kind of in that, you know, you could you could get a date by playing this sort of thing to a to a certain type of girl. But uh, that being said, 
We've got The Downward Spiral by Nine Inch Nails. Nice. Another one that fell off of my list, but killer, killer album. Damn, dude. Oh, yeah, like this is widely considered Nine Inch Nails kind of opus, you know? It's mm-hmm. innovative and strange, but very memorable. Uh, it expands the Nine Inch Nails sound off of everything they've done. And then, like you said, it goes out, yeah. you know? It has, like, synthy, cool, industrial, hooky bits, like on Pretty Hate Machine, but it also has the chugging heaviness of Broken, but it also has a bunch of other crazy shit that yeah. Trent was just like, fuck it, we're doing it all, <laughs> you know? And, you know, it being a concept album about, you know, someone's descent into madness and eventual, you know, uh, demise, uh, it's, it's a dark album, but it's one that is a fun journey to go on. Yeah, yeah. Albeit it's dark subject matter. That being said, I mean, when you've got songs like fucking, I mean, Mr. Self-Destruct is just brutal. And then Piggy totally juxtaposes that with this chill, vibey thing. Yeah. Heresy. Heresy is probably my favorite song on the whole album. Like, I just love that. It. This song is the marriage of what I love about Pretty Hate Machine and what I love about Broken yeah. in a single song. Um, like, I'll never get tired of hearing that. <laughs> shit like i love that we haven't even got to march of the pigs and closer yet and like i mean i mean closer is iconic in yeah. itself um ruiner is like wild it, it this is the one with like that blues rock guitar solo in the middle isn't it yeah mm-hmm. um the becoming it is like it's like they took a groovy metal riff, deconstructed it, and put it back together with like Trent Reznor's film future filmmaker brain, um, with that down 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 stuff going on. Um, I do not want this. Big man with a gun, warm place, eraser, reptile, downward spiral, and hurt. No, no, all killer. I mean, it's it really is an all-killer, no-filler, right the way through. You're going to sit and listen to every fucking one of these songs we, uh, the intended way. We also did Nine Inch Nails, a two-parter on Nine Inch Nails. Was it a two-parter? I believe it was. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah we did we, a two-parter. We said a lot of nice things about The Downward Spiral because it's an absolute classic of the 90s. And, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's another great one. I was hoping that somebody would mention that because it's not. I say somebody. I mean you, <laughs> because because yeah, I was, was going to say, whose show is this? There were too, there were too many other ones to to that knocked everything else out. And there's there's one other in yeah. particular that I hope my is on your list. But if not, maybe we'll I'll mention it later. But um, <laughs> my six seven my number seven is uh, Dog Man by Kings nice. X. The fifth, cool. the fifth King's X album, their heaviest album, and um, I don't know what I, I we we've had we have not done a King's X ranking, but we will. Um, I was we supposed to. I was supposed to see them um, a couple weekends ago, but the guitar player got COVID and the show was canceled. Oh, and no. um, 
it's all right. They'll they'll reschedule again. That show's been rescheduled like four times now. <laughs> but uh, I'm long overdue a deep dive on King's X. I mean, I've heard. Yeah. I've pretty much heard the top ten songs on Spotify and really liked them. It's. But it, I've just. There's a lot of stuff a, there. That's going to be a rush style undertaking when we ever yeah. when we do their <laughs> ranking because they have a lot of albums and a lot to go through. But Dogman is like, like I said, it's their heaviest. It's their most like direct and it almost feels like it's the because even even with the album prior to this even though it was in the 90s it still felt like it was more in line with their 80s output whereas Dogman feels like the first like 90s king's x album it's got such a fucking heavy groove through the whole album and it's uh it's Produced by what's his name that did Stone Temple uh, Brendan O'Brien, so he did. It's got that sound. It's got a. It's a big yeah. '90s sound, but you know, cutting cutting some of the reverb, but you know, leaving leaving some of it there and making it beefier and heavier. And it's just like classics, absolute classic songs. The song "Dog Man" is fucking classic. "Shoes" is on here, which is a fucking classic. Um, "Pillow" is a fucking amazing song. There's like, yeah. There's just it's just a a an absolute you know crusher of a King's X album along with their big old harmony vocals on top of all that and it's it just it's another example of of why they um are are noted as being kind of influential to the grunge scene because a lot of that stuff became part of the grunge scene heavy riffs along with melodic vocals sometimes layered harmony vocals you know, like Alice in Chains and shit. Anyway, yeah, King's X album is fucking amazing. But yeah, there's six others that um yes. that knocked it down to this point. So that's uh that's pretty crazy. But yeah, anyway, that was my number seven, Dog Man. Right on. Now, this one f- for me, um, I doubt this is on your list or was even considered <laughs> for yours. Okay. But I'm going to say it. The spiritual changing of the guard transitional album to me that kind of wraps up the old school metal era and ushers in the sound of kind of modern metal going forward. I can't lie, though. I fucking love this album. Burn My Eyes by Machine Head. Oh, yeah. Not even... (laughs) Was not even in my 35 list of albums. (laughs) See, see, the, here's the thing, right? The the thing I love about this one is it, it manages to have that like kind of modern heavy sound, yeah, without the clinical side of things. Sure, you know, it still has an old school vibe, but all of the kind of all of the groove and heaviness and like it taking kind of taking the the Pantera kind of thing and just laying into the groove even harder just riff wise yeah not not like less lead focus and more just fucking breakdowns and heavy ass shit and really cool groovy riffs davidian game changer you know that that breakdown at the end i remember the first time i heard that and i had my head blown off like that I thought that was badass. Yeah. Um, Old has a really cool riff in it. Thousand Lies, None But My Own. 
uh, Rage to Overcome is a really great song. Um, Death Church, Nation on Fire is this like slow burner that just completely goes thrash mode at the end. Blood for Blood is is a full on thrasher. Uh, I'm your God now. Realize, realize, real lies is this like cool interlude <laughs> with a lot of cool fucking stuff in there. I mean, it's kind of a cringy title, but like I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it's pulled from a, a saying, yeah, or something, yeah. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of cool um, like clips of you know gang warfare news reports and stuff in there. And then Block is just a fucking crushing closer. Honestly, it's just a really really strong 90s groove metal album um there's not really much else i'd say i I remember having a conversation with um my uncle who is very responsible for me getting into heavy metal and he said uh, i asked him am i right in thinking 1994 is where modern metal as we know it was kind of born and the old school era kind of like fades back a little bit and he he went if you're referring to burn my eyes and corn's debut you are 100 percent correct yeah um but yeah it's to me i mean you know i have a more positive opinion of machine head than you do well i, um, I yeah i've I, clearly it's a classic album because tons of people love it and the, all the all the hmm. songs i've ever heard from machine head all range from this is not very good to it's fine. It's just not really for me. And mm. that that's the thing that makes me nervous now. Cause now that we've ranked slipknot, I'm all like, is it going to become the thing where we go to machine head? And then I, I, I 100% don't like them. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> never mind. It'll be, I, I'm really keen at some point to just, just drop you in the fucking deep end with a band. Like yeah. I'm thinking I've, I've had it in my head for a long time. There's two bands that I would suggest for this, and I know one of them is going to be likely more achievable, but I think the other one would yield a spicier response. Okay, well, what, 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 is, what are your thoughts? And I'm thinking to myself, I either you either do a deep dive into Machine Head or I fucking throw you in the deep end with Dream Theater. Oh, shit. And I know that... You, I know you're going to be way more down for Machine Head because Machine Head have way less output and uh, they evolve more. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we're, I mean, we'll get to both of those because I think they're important to talk yeah. about. Yeah, I don't know which one I would choose. I'd probably at this point choose Dream Theater just because I, I've, heard, uh. I've heard less of their stuff than I have right. Machine Head. But at the same I time, love both bands. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just feel like there's there's something missing from some of that stuff that just doesn't catch on with me, and I'm not quite sure what it is. But you know what? The the most I, I had a very interesting. It's me badgering you. <laughs> Check this out. Check this out. Check I this had out. a very interesting uh, request <laughs> yesterday. I think somebody messaged me and said, um, "Can you guys rank Eddie Money?" And I'm just like. I never thought about ranking Eddie Money, but then I went, hmm, that could be fun. And so, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my hand up and say I have heard all of those albums. <laughs> okay, like, well then maybe yeah. maybe we'll, we'll add that to our list, and eventually we'll get to Eddie Money. Very very different from both Machine Head and Dream Theater. 
But yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand. Like, there's an album. There are albums that I don't like, but they get enough recognition that that's when I just say, well, th- th- I guess this is just not for me. But I, I can't mm. say that it's not important or not good because if that many people hold it in that regard, then it's just it me. did something right. It's just me that's disconnected from it. So, hmm. But who and knows? It's, it's perfectly okay to admit that because you yeah. know not everybody likes everything. Um, I, I wish more people would come at things that way because there's a whole lot of people that like to talk shit about stuff, and I'm like, well, yeah. you do, I don't you, like this, so it's bad. <laughs> yeah, it's like well, you just don't like it. Like, what? It's like if you already don't like it, then you're, now you're trying to like be nitpicky about it. I'm like, no, that's. I mean, in in our yeah. case, I save that for when we do rankings. But any other time in my life, if somebody says. What do you think about Machine Head? My response is always going to be, ah, it's not really for me. It's not going to be me all of a sudden listing all the things that I think are shitty about them. It's like, because I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a better person than that, folks, I think. Yeah. Anyway, so what, but, um, what, that was number six, right? Do you have anything else to say about Burn My Eyes? Um, Every time I say that, I want to say Burn My Ass. <laughs> well, judging by the album cover, have you ever noticed, like, it kind of looks like a dude giving another dude a little bit of a like. It's it's supposed to look like the guy is like reeling back after being electrocuted, but it's like just two kind of silhouetted things of a dude bent over and a dude like this <laughs> behind him. And I remember I someone I... someone pointed it out to me. I'd have never been able to unsee it, and now every time I look at it, I'm like. It, you know, it burned my eyes more like fuck my butt. <laughs> 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 if there's if there's one thing, you know that that's one thing that would get me on board. If there if if there if there were if there were more sort of you know really heavy aggressive metal that just openly embraced gay LGTB. What, oh um, hell yeah! Culture that'd be um, that'd be fucking sick. <laughs> I, uh, I my my brain froze on the on all the letters. But, you know, I, I know them all. And then, uh, but yeah, um, I would be for some reason, I would just be like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. More of that. Um, just the just, uh, just the gay gay bar scene in Wayne's World, too. But it's a mosh pit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. OK. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so. All right. Number six. Um, very influential band. Another band we already ranked. And and um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Betty by Helmet. Nice. This is actually this is like a ten inch version of the album. It's like two two ten inch records instead of uh, for people in the podcast side of things. I bring my records and I and I show them. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think like in America, this is how this was released in on vinyl in ninety four was the ten inch version, and it has like extra tracks on it and shit, and that's you know fucking sweet. Anyway, Betty. <laughs> It's such a fucking cool album. I it's not my favorite Helmet album, but it's probably one that's a that's more influential. Like like Meantime is very influential on me as a guitarist and a songwriter. But I think with Betty, how they kind of try to to incorporate different elements to some of the songs and and it, it that kind of stuff around the early to mid nineties was for some reason, very potent to me just because I was already the kind of person that thought I don't run. I don't want to be stuck listening to the same shit and writing the same shit all the time. 
even though mm-hmm. like I loved all the heavy music, I was constantly looking for other things as well. And if you brought me an album with 12 songs where they were all the same vibe, even though it was killer, if you bring me another album with 12 songs where four of them are kind of experimental weird shit, I'd be like, I kind of like that better because I like the different flavors and it breaks up the album and it just sort of, uh, it gives it more of an album feel and less of a grouping of songs feel. And yeah, Betty's an amazing album, fucking killer ass riffs out the wazoo, as they say. That's another saying that I don't know what that means. What the fuck is a wazoo? Um, I guess I should look that up. But yeah, we we did Helmet, and and I'm pretty sure Betty was not my number one. I shouldn't even say what our number ones were, because I want you guys to go and listen and or watch the those rankings that we did because we put a lot of effort into them spoiler alert <laughs> spoiler alert we yeah. we we had number ones um i mean i'll yeah. spoil all of the ones that i've recommended so <laughs> that's all right that's all right but yeah, yeah betty betty is a killer album and it's another one like i bought that cassette at circuit city and i only remember that because the album came out and a lot of the the albums around that time i bought on cassette because I didn't have a job yet and I didn't have a lot of money. And so I was constantly just really wanting to get an album now. But I'm like, look, I have $10. I don't have $13. Or, you know, it's like it was like a, a few dollar difference between tapes and CDs. And yeah. um, and and so I would end up buying the cassette. But I remember like a, a buddy of mine worked at circuit city and I went to go visit him and I saw the cassette and I just said, fuck it. I want this album. And so I bought it <laughs> and it's just killer. You know, milk toast alone is a fucking killer ass song, but there's just so many great songs on that. And yeah, they're an important band to me for two reasons. One, because they've influenced me as a songwriter and a musician, as I said, and a guitar player. And two, because they're one of the few bands where I, uh, half of their shit I don't care for. <laughs> and it's a really and it's been a very important lesson to me in just because you love a band doesn't mean you're going to love everything that they're going to do and sometimes you just have to let go. And um I've done that with a few it's bands. It's all Winona Ryder's fault. Yeah, <laughs> fuck Winona Ryder. She time. did it. <laughs> that's what that's what that's what it's all about. You date Winona Ryder and you you know things are never going to get better than that and then you just start writing less good songs after that. Um <laughs> Anyway, uh, uh yeah. So so <laughs> Betty's amazing and it's my number 6. Moving on to our top 5. Top 5 albums of 1994. Cool. So, uh my number 5 is one that we've talked about in the last couple of months. It's quite a recent one. Hmm, okay. And that is World Demise by Obituary. Oh, shit. Yes, this was also <laughs> on my list of 35, but uh, it didn't make it, but yes. Yeah, and, you know, as per, whenever I talk about Obituary, I have to do it, do it, Tony! But yeah, uh, now that I've got that out of the way, I'm actually going to start talking in something, you know, coherent. So with the <laughs> with that... <laughs> Uh, I mean, this is one of the most crushingly heavy albums I've ever fucking heard. Yeah, hell yeah. Like, when it comes to death metal, specifically the slow, riff-driven, hardcore-influenced death metal that mm-hmm. I adore, World Demise, I mean, it's so fucking heavy, dude. Yep. I mean, Don't Care, 
World Demise title track, Burned In, Redefine. I mean, they could have dropped four songs of this album as an EP, and it would still be one of the heaviest fucking things ever. Yeah. Um, Paralyzing, Lost, Solid State, Splattered, Final Thoughts, Boiling Point, Set in Stone, Kill For Me. This is just... I mean, it's just like a fucking hour of getting your head hit with a sledgehammer yeah. in the best possible way. We also did um, an obituary ranking, but let's not talk about what our number one yeah. was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. See if you can guess how high this one is. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's an absolutely killer album. Yeah. Um, com- coming off the tail of like a trilogy of, um, you know, death metal with fast bits slower bits mid-paced bits this album just leans straight into the slow and nasty yeah which is if you're an obituary fan largely your favorite part of this you know yeah it's 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 the people it's the people that are only like partial obituary fans that are the ones like why aren't they playing fast and i'm like well they they mostly didn't play fast ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Were there no blast beats? I can't name a song where Obituary have used a blast beat. Like, <laughs> yep. Not every death metal band has to do the same shit, you fuckers. But yeah, World Demise. I mean, it's, it's killer. Old, all crushing all the time. Yep. Hell yeah. That, I Obi- had to leave obituary FM. <laughs> I, I that's one of the death metal ones I had to leave off. I also left off Fear, Emptiness, Despair by Napalm Death because I I also love that one. But it's just yeah. it, it's get, it gets real tough to to rank these. But I got five. I got five to go. So my number five is another of the. This is the only album this band ever put out. And this is a later discovery for me. I had no idea this album came out in 1994 because there was no promotion Ooh. for it. Um, and that's because it, uh, it's, it, it's hard to promote. But I did an entire video just talking about this album like about a year and a half ago or something. Um, uh, Dead Sailor Acid Blues by Orangutan. And mm. most of you probably are like, What? And that's how I was, too, when I discovered this album. But it is absolutely fantastic. The it. So I don't remember this ever being promoted at all in 94. And like I said, I was trying to take in everything I possibly could. This album is like it's 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 almost like they are kind of teetering between two worlds in this album because there's stuff that's very heavy could be more associated with the with grunginess and or some of the riffs sound like helmet riffs on the other side it's more just alternative rock with more sort of sprawling type songs and and melodic things happening but they kind of weave in and out of this world of like 1994 where they'll have heavier parts and sort of more melodic parts but all of the songwriting is absolutely fantastic and it's just one of those albums that i cannot understand one why it didn't catch on in 1994 well there was no promotion but if there was it should have caught on but also number two like even smaller albums over the years gain some sort of cult following the cult following for this album is 
me and a handful of other people. It's not like you people don't talk about this album. Like I think people that live because these guys are from Boston. There's two. There's actually two bands on my list from Boston. And um, I think people in that scene know Orangutan and love them. But outside of that, it's a really small amount of people. And it bums me out. That's why I made an entire video about how why why that album should have been huge. And I still stand by that. It, I Every time I play it, I'm just like, how is this not a thing that everybody's not talking about? Like criminally underrated albums. This is in the top five for me of of the 90s. And. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't have a lot more to add about it, but it's just well-written, well-performed, really great. And I think, and I think that that's, that's, that was me in 1994. So they didn't realize that the target audience for the album existed, but it was me where I was very happy listening to Cannibal Corpse and at the same time listening to Hole, you know, or something like mm. I, I was in the middle of all of that shit and I appreciated all of that shit. And and orangutan really do like drop them right in the middle of all of that. And um, anyway, yeah, that's that's my number five. Awesome. So my uh, my number four is one that you've mentioned, and that is Far Beyond Driven by Pantera. Sweet. Now, this one was kind of low on my Pantera ranking, but. Pantera's discography is one of the most consistently killer fucking things ever. So, hence its high position on this list. Yeah, you know when you're st- when you're stacking Pantera next to Pantera, something has to get pushed down. Sure. Um, but you know this shows them upping the ante on the heaviness once again. Uh, it's wild to think that an album this extreme and experimental at points hit number one. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because some of the moments on this border on the fucking death metal thing, and it is just wild. Um, you know, the, the riffs and grooves are among the heaviest they ever did. Uh, and, I mean, look no further than the absolutely pummeling opener, Strength Beyond Strength. Yeah. That is just every possible tempo and 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 type of feel they could do they fit into less than like four minutes and it's just so killer becoming yeah. is is yeah that's i love that never get tired of that five minutes alone i'm broken Fuck man, uh, I mean, you you got wild moments like good friends and a bottle of pills. Yeah, you know, I fucked your girlfriend last night. <laughs> you know that line always fucking cracks me up. Yeah, um, hard lines, sunken cheeks, slaughtered, twenty five years, shedding skin, use my third arm, throws of rejection, and a you know a really cool vibed out cover of Planet Caravan at the end. Yeah, which I think is a, I like when heavy albums have a palate cleanser at the end it's like this, a little breath this in. one needs one i've always felt like that cover is very appropriate at the end of this album because it's very pummeling yeah. and then you get a nice little send out you know yeah it's like being beaten for 50 minutes straight and <laughs> yeah. then someone and then they serenade you at the end you know yeah, yeah. um yeah <laughs> uh but you know it, 
while it isn't my favorite Pantera album, I love all Pantera albums. So, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to say this now. I always thought the, you know, drill bit going through the skull looked cooler than the yeah. drill bit going up the ass. Yeah, like- <laughs> it's it's a cooler aesthetic and 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 concept all uh, overall, but I guess the the yeah. other one seems more extreme, which is with their music they were trying to get more extreme, so it's almost more appropriate yeah. I guess for the album. And like in a weird way, I get it. Like, wow, that's a shocking image, you know, shock value, but to to me I feel like I feel like that would do the album a disservice because at that point you'd already be like, oh, well, I'm expecting it. Whereas this has like an ominous foreboding look to it. Yeah. But then when you stick it on, you're like, fuck, like, you know, it's like one of those old Maxell cassette adverts where the dude would get blown across the room from his speakers. Um, but yeah. Some of y'all thought I was too young to remember that shit. But you forget <laughs> that I watched this stuff on YouTube. Um, the beauty yeah. of the internet. Yeah, I get to live in the past. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a beloved album yeah. by Pantera fans and groove metal, 90s metal fans alike. Um, it's an it's an album to me that has a lot of stuff that I kind of forget about. And then when I hear the album again, I'm like, oh, this is that song. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> but yeah 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 um with that um i'm gonna hand it back to you because okay. uh you know far beyond driven kicks ass sweet so the my number four is uh i this i love this is like one of my favorite albums of the 90s um i guess i could say that about the next few i'm going to talk about um <laughs> the bleeding by cannibal corpse is my number four. And this is my favorite Cannibal Corpse album. It's amazing. We did a Cannibal Corpse ranking. I think that was also a two-parter. Fuck, I don't even remember. It was a, that was a, that that, one was fun. That one was a fun (laughs) one. Um, But the the bleeding is like, it, it, that, that's an album that came out and has blown me away consistently for the rest of my life where, it's so good and it's catchy. It's a catchy yeah. death metal album with so many amazingly awesome moments all the way through it. Hard to pull off. Very hard to pull off. Catchy yeah. death metal. And like. um, yeah, it is. It's a, it's fantastic. It's just, I mean, Cannibal Corpse is one of my favorite bands, but um, a big reason why I ended up leaving off albums like world demise and fear emptiness despair was because of the strength of the bleeding i'm like look if i i have to cut out so many albums if i'm going to choose one death metal album which one is it and it was there was no fucking contest it is the bleeding it is amazing last album with chris barnes and he sounds amazing on it um and uh honestly very, very recently i got like a bootleg vinyl of created to kill where he did the the vocals for what would be the next album and yeah honestly he sounds really good on that so i'm just like i mean it is what it is i i love i love uh corpse grinder but uh, i'm just you know the bleeding is is just like the <laughs> yeah the, ble- the bleeding is just the 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 for death metal for me it's one of the best ever made and i love it it's fucking amazing so that's that's my number four the bleeding 
Cool. So here is another album that uh, wasn't in your wheelhouse, I'm sure. Okay, okay. <laughs> so um, my number three is Awake by Dream Theater. Oh, yep. So <laughs> this one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they, this one saw them coming off of the, you know, tale of images and words, you know, and it, it saw them adopt a bit of a heavier approach to the, you know, same kind of, a similar kind of atmosphere mm -hmm. and aura around it. But this time we have a seven string. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's all sorts of, um, you know, really cool um, progressive parts on it. I mean, I feel like you are going to hear so many moments on this album and be like, that's Rush, you know? Oh, that's, well, there's, yeah. Yeah, there is Rush influence running all the way through Dream Theater stuff. Um, Mike Portnoy was always a big influence on me as a drummer. Um, yeah. You know? I mean, obviously, his ability far <laughs> surpasses mine. Um, you know, not to sell myself short, but, you know, it, he has a big kit for a reason because he uses fucking all of it, you know. Um, and he's a and he's killer. Mike Mangini is also fucking killer as well. He's the current guy. Oh, spe spe um, speaking of dr drums, just last night I watched the Live Without a Net um, VHS from Van Halen. Mm -hmm. And I just love uh, Alex Van Halen's drum setup on that because yeah. he's got tons of these like little, the little toms that are like this big. Octobands. All in yeah. a row. And then, and then electronic drum pads in front of those. And then the rest of yep. his kit and then the gong behind him. And I'm just like, something about the combination when he's doing his drum solo of all the other like organic sounding drums and the drum pads i'm just like that's really cool <laughs> i wish yeah. like i wish more bands would do that yeah I, it's, I remember the first time i ever saw um alex van halen's drum kit uh let's let's see alex van halen i think it's 1981 drum kit i think it's the, the stripey one yeah yeah it's the it's the black and white stripes and did he have all and the I, little toms at that point too because that i just why do I love the sounds of those so much when there's like a roll done uh, down all of them? It just sounds really nice. Okay, right. I'm going to sell you on this um, Dream Theater album. Then okay. Because <laughs> the, the literal opening to this album is uh, on on those. Oh, sweet. And then the album starts. It's, it's one of those things like how some people say things are like, like oddly satisfying. Like the sounds yes. of those little toms for some <laughs> reason. Somebody could just do a solo of just playing those, and I would be all like, these are, <laughs> this sounds really nice. Do, Hold do, up. do you have a little tom? I have four, but this is the closest. Oh, yeah. You gotta, yeah, I gotta incorporate those on your drum kit. I look like I'm about to load a fucking shell into a tank. <laughs> <laughs> or you're, or, or or you're at the bank and you're about to yeah. make a deposit. <laughs> oh, dude, I need to fix the stand that these go go on because you know, obviously, I mean, behind me, if you're watching this, I do have a rather large drum set. Yep. Uh, it's it's it's, it's fifty it's, quid. Not it, bad. It's large, <laughs> and he knows how to use it, ladies. 
Yes, very much so. <laughs> Hit my line. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, something as well I will also notice while it's on my mind, the... Uh, what is it? There's some wild, innovative shit going on with his early 80s kids. But he'd do this thing, right, where there's, like, these big tubes that attach his kick drums to another kick drum, and they extend out, so it's, like, the length of three. Yeah. And I don't know what it does sonically, but I just think... <laughs> it looks cool. I mean, yeah, it looks fucking rad. <laughs> um, but yeah... Uh, where was I? Uh, Mike, Dream Theater. Mike Awake. Port- Portnoy. We're talking about the drums. Yes. I mean, they're all insanely killer players. Like, yeah. a lot of them. That was the um, one thing. I remember back in the day, in the early 2000s, I knew a guy that was really into Dream Theater. And whenever he would play it, the one thing that I always latched onto was the drums. I was always like, drums are really fucking good. <laughs> yeah. You, you, I tell you what, it's not on this album, but... You want an absolute fucking wild ride? Check out um, The Dance of Eternity, which is a song. It's an instrumental. It's off of uh, Metropolis Part 2, the album. And there are 104 time signature changes in this instrumental song. Wow. And it moves moves through a shitload of, like, different styles. And I know that it's got parts in it that you'll really appreciate because you'll think... You know, and and I shit you not, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but I want you to do a reaction to that song on my recommendation okay. at some point. Just, like, even if we do it as, like, a, a, a bonus thing, because there's parts of that where you'll be like, oh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. did that come from? Um, but, yeah, it, so 6 o'clock, the, the opening track is uh really cool there's some wild funky stuff going on caught in a web is um quite heavy and cerebral uh, innocence faded is really cool and melodic still quite rooted a little bit in the 80s occasionally guitar work wise mm-hmm. uh is a really cool instrumental as part of like a three song trilogy uh erotomania voices and the silent man they will have kind of motifs that run through it mm-hmm. and they, here's the thing right nothing brings out my inner music nerd than this band because there are things i've heard so many times and i'm like oh that's that bit and that's a reference to that bit in that song you yeah. know cheeky little you know hidden things but the highlight on this album for me is the song the mirror which leads directly into the next song, which is Lie. And it is just this groovy, heavy, but also like atmospheric and sophisticated thing that goes from spooky and where's this going into one of the coolest riffs I know. And sweet. It's just it, uh, lifting shadows off a dream, great power ballad sort of thing. Um, Scarred is a funky bluesy sort of thing and then Space Divest is this wild fucking um, I mean I say that it's just like a stylistic departure a little bit it's this big sprawling piano ballad sort of thing there are you know I, I really do think Awake stands up 
right there with images and words on how great it great it is. It still has. Um, I mean, I like all their keyboardists, but um, uh, Kevin Moore is the guy on this album, and he still had some of those. I mean, I suppose you could call them dated, but I call them really charming and atmospheric mm. keyboards on there. Yeah. And you'll know exactly you'll know exactly why <laughs> when you hear this album. But it's the fact that they had the atmosphere married with the groove that shows up a lot of times on this album, but they still have the prog rock influence and everything. I just really love this album and yeah. its whole as a whole package, you know, the amount of times I've listened to it. Cool. Learned parts off it. I mean that's it's I, another I, it's, I an, it's another band that enough people love them that I'm just like I'm the I'm the, the one that's that's that has the problem. <laughs> yeah. Know? But it, it it's one. It's one of those things where I like. I, I desperately want you to hear just some of the parts on this because I'm like, yeah, okay, you, you, you well, could, could be planting a seed here. We will get. <laughs> we will get to them eventually for sure. Hell yeah. Um, cool. So my number three, um, kind of you know, going in a different area, and, um, with another album that is highly influential for me as a musician and a songwriter, and one of the most underrated bands to me forever uh my number three is magnified by failure hey and it is i i would say that's my favorite failure album that's when i discovered them um was with this album and it really opened my mind and led me down a path of music that i I the stuff that it eventually led me to bands like Fugazi and stuff like that, where these guys don't mm-hmm. sound anything like Fugazi, but they have part of it sounds a little bit. Sometimes people use the term space rock. It's the, there's like sp- spacey type stuff on it, but there's also like they they use these sort of discordant notes with each other, kind of similar to like you know Sepultura would do it sometimes. But failure yeah. was the first time that I heard a band incorporating these odd melodies in stuff that just sounded like beautiful, well-crafted music. Like it didn't mm. sound like noise. They would play these little parts and it'd go, you put a ton of distortion on that and play that over like a chugging riff. That just sounds like a noisy lead part. But the way they would handle it, it's just such amazing songwriting and it 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 was it really was the beginning of me hearing songs presented in a different kind of odd way with you know because there's you there like song number one now this is going to sound stupid because i don't know how to describe this in the technical term the song let it drip the verse the whole song has the same four four beat but the verses start on the one and then the the choruses start on the two. So it shifts to where it's a, it's an upbeat and then it shifts to a downbeat without the drummer ever changing what he's playing. It's just the guitars yeah. and the vocals change where they're placed in the song. First time I heard that, I went, holy fuck, man. I never thought about <laughs> doing that before ever. And they just... It just switches, you know, immediately. And then you've got like uh, the song Moth, like it's got a it it goes in different keys from the verse to the chorus. And like 
it, it really made me start to hear things in the songs and go, wow, you can like really fuck with the way songs are written and perceived and everything. And I just like, and I know there's, you could give all these examples of bands that did that before failure and bands that maybe did it better. I don't know. But for me, that was like a real mind opener and, and I love them. They've, they've, they're, they, they still put out albums that I'm just like, nobody can do the shit that they do. And I, I, I love it. So magnified is my uh, number three album. Nice. So my number two is Jar of Flies by Alice in Chains. Interesting. I, uh, I, I, my excuse for leaving this off was that it was an EP. That's the only reason it would have been in the top, <laughs> it would have been in the top 10 if I hadn't made that excuse. So I'm glad it's here. Yeah. For, for me, this album, this is one of those special place in your heart albums. Yep. For me. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, if ever I've been, you know, staying anywhere that isn't, you know, home or, <clears throat> excuse me, um, or if like I'm stressed out or if there's any, any kind of conflict or anything mm-hmm. in, in my, in my immediate life, you know, this album was there for me, you know, and it's kind of like, hey man, you look pretty stressed. Why don't you just take a half hour stop whatever you're doing stick this on whether or not i'm like whether or not i'm trying to go to sleep um or you know it because it's a good album to just wind down and chill to yeah you know it's it's not got any heavy bits it's all you know which is funny because alice in chains are one of the heaviest grunge bands but they turned around and i mean of course they've done sap yeah two years prior but this one to me is particularly beautiful because they just lean really into, you know, albeit dark but beautiful songs. Well, it's it's you it's know, kind it's kind it's kind of like Jar of Flies is the master of puppets to the Ride the Lightning that is Sap. Like they just they knew they did yeah. it. They had done it before, but they did it better and on kind of a bigger scale. Even though it's still an EP, but same I, color I, schemes too. Yeah, I love. That's, jar of that's flies cool. it's fucking <laughs> great yeah yeah and it's it, like all the way from rotten apple like damn dude i the vibe on this album is dare i say exquisite yeah. you know it is it's one of those things that it's like they really just captured a mood and and put it in a jar you know yeah um well not only that 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 album like lives in a memory for me because like i i got it also on cassette and i just have him have a vivid memory of walking into my high school and walking down the halls with my headphones on and listening to jar of flies and just i don't know why like there's certain albums that i i immediately am put to an exact place and i'm like yeah so when i hear this album it, it it just I'm walking into my high school and um and with my Walkman on and it's, it's very few albums, you know, there are a lot of albums that that are give me nostalgic feelings but but only a handful that like I feel like a specific place. For me, I'd say it's probably the the Christmas and following winter of 
about 2013 into 2014 when I got this album. Um, I've got the CD of, of uh, Jorah Flies and Sap. Yeah. You know, double set. But I just remember laying in bed, really, really cold winter, but just laying in bed with the headphones in, start to finish, and then going to sleep. And it's just like a, a really nice memory of just being like, you know what? I'm just here taking yeah. this in. Yeah. You know, it, it's, there were no external things. It, you know, it was dark nearly all the time because it was winter. So it's like, hey, I'm just going to lay here, take this in and then go to sleep. Yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's a really nice album to do that. You know, all, all the way from, I mean, the only electric guitar parts on here are done in a pretty way. You know, it, Whale and Wasp has some like soaring kind of leads on it, but yeah. it's it's only bendy textural melodies and things like that. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. I've got to the point where I'm, I'm a little hoarse, but um, glad you did it, not me. Yeah. <laughs> But it's it's also an album that's, you know, it's it's taken on a, a new level of poignance since sure since Lane Staley's passing with yeah. a song like Nutshell. Nutshell is one of the saddest songs ever written. But I can't help but whenever I'm whenever I listen to it, I'm like, I don't necessarily feel sad so much as it makes you feel less alone. You know, it, if you're it, going through some shit, there are some sad songs or sad sounding songs that that have that odd comforting quality to them yeah and yeah that's one of them yeah nutshell is probably my number one sad song yeah um probably either that or black by pearl jam but um you know, I I stay away. Fucking hell, we're only on track three. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's how, that's how good this EP is, man. Like, holy shit. Um, oh, before before we before we move on to I Stay Away, I'm going to say this about Rotten Apple. Rotten Apple does not feel like seven minutes. No, not at all. It's it's one of those songs that like time escapes your perception of it. It's yeah. just so good. You get lost in it. Um, I stay away. Really cool uh, video to this one. Oh, it always sticks in my mind, like the really weird claymation stuff going on. Yeah, like reminds me of a Primus video. Um, but you know, it's it's got some really cool classic rock vibes going on with like the big strings and the twinkly twelve string sounding guitars and yeah. stuff. Um, no excuses is one of my favorite drum beats to play ever. <laughs> Speaking of having a lot of little drums and little cymbals yeah. and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I can't express how fucking fun it is to play that song. Yeah. Um, funny, this is actually the first song I ever heard off of Jar of Flies um, because it was on Guitar Hero Metallica yeah. as a as a guest um, song. That's a game even you had. Like, I we did. actually I did. We, we both... We we have some crossover. But, well, I um, very very. I mean, when it comes to modern games, very little. But yeah, that was one that just because I wanted to play it. But I like yeah. I, to, I told you I had to get the Wii version of it, which I've heard is far inferior to other ones. I I, I will say I was I was a PS PS three guy myself. Yeah. at the at the time. That being said, though, I mean the hours I put into that one time, I'm sure I played 
the the Guitar Hero drum kit for like twelve hours straight, <laughs> and a solid solid two hours of that was probably no excuses. <laughs> um, uh, Whale and Wasp is just this gorgeous um, instrumental piece. Uh, really love the guitar minis on it. Um, did you did you mean, really... did you mean to say guitar minis? Because I really like that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it's a term. Is it? It's a term. I love it. Yeah, 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 guitar minis. Um, you, you got uh, Don't Follow, which is this really nice, um, you know, almost folky kind of um, song. Uh, and then finally you get Swing on This, which is a little tongue-in-cheek, you know, but it still has that nice, cool... Um, we're a rock band playing an acoustic thing and, and doing it really well vibe. Yeah. So with that, you know, and, and that song in itself is also kind of a palate cleanser because for most of the album, it's a pretty somber tone. And then when you get this one, it's like, okay, well, <laughs> best be hitting the old dusty trail, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, that being said, as much as I adore this album, there is one album that probably solely based on the fact that it's a full album and not an EP is at the top of this list. Okay. Interesting. So I have one left. So, so over to you for number two. My, my top two are very personal albums so much so that I guarantee you that most of the time, anybody that lists their top albums from 1994, these are nowhere on them, let alone not at the top two spots. <laughs> um, my number two is uh, The Complicated Futility of Ignorance by Fudge Tunnel. Cool. One of my favorite bands ever. Very important band, just like a lot of these where, you know, the music that influenced me, because very, very shortly after this year, I would get my first guitar. I'd start learning how to play guitar and songwriting. And a lot of these albums kind of pushed me in the direction of the things that I love to do. And I have I've spent so much of my musical career even when I was in bands where it was inappropriate, incorporating things that unknowingly to everybody else were connected to bands like Fudge Tunnel and Failure and Helmet and stuff like that. Um, hmm. But it's the third Fudge Tunnel album, and it's their heaviest album, their most metallic album. It's just fucking heavy. Alex Newport shows up on <laughs> my top ten list two times, for those of you who are uh, keeping track. But I just love it. I love how heavy it is. I love how... Their stuff was so just like heavy and noisy and almost primal at times. And it just it they were they were the band that when I discovered them, nobody else I knew was really into them. And yeah, I fell in love with them because they sounded like how I kind of felt because they were music that could so easily be just put along with metal, but clearly they were not comfortable just being metal and they were kind of fighting it at the same time. And I always felt that way. I felt like a guy that when somebody would look at me and say like, you know, you know, you're a metal head, I, I would always be like, yeah, but and so, and so I always felt like the odd guy in the metal scene. And I always feel like Fudge Tunnel was kind of an odd band in the metal scene because they they had so many qualities that that equated them with it, but also other qualities that 
made them stick out to where people would be like, well, that's too noisy or that's where are the solos? If there was a solo in a Fudge Tunnel song, it was it was just complete noise. And so it's almost like <laughs> they always came across to me as like you took a metal band and Nirvana and kind of put them together. And I was yeah. just like, well, that was me because I was obsessed with Nirvana and Metallica and, you know, Cannibal Corpse and all these other things. And so Fudge Tunnel to me, it was always a band that just felt like it was tailor made for who I was at that particular time. And to be f- completely honest, who I still am today. So, um, yeah, complicated futility of ignorance is my number two. I'm very excited to hear what your number one is. Cool. So the most enduring and, uh, you know, special album to me that I think of when I immediately, when I think of 1994, to me, it's got to be my personal favorite Megadeth album, Euthanasia. All right. Nice. Okay. Yep. I fucking another, another one from my 35 that didn't make it. Yeah, I fucking adore this album so much. Like, this is my go-to Megadeth album. And I remember saying that on uh, a thing quite recently. And the amount of, like, laugh reacts I got from incel Megadeth fans who were like, (laughs) yeah, if it's not... (laughs) If it isn't thrash, it isn't good. (laughs) But it's like... (laughs) I don't know what to tell you, my guy. I, I, I got laid this morning and you didn't. I, I, <laughs> like, I, I had somebody get annoyed with me on our, I think it was our Megadeth ranking or some something where I was talking about Megadeth and I was talking about how it really, they're the Megadeth fans, because of the presence on the internet, come across as very immature people most of the time. And, and their comment was just like, was just like, you know, it's, you, you're such a, you're such a judgmental prick or some shit. I don't remember what they said, but I'm just like, <laughs> Just go look at any comments on the internet. Most it's like there, there are like Megadeth, diehard Megadeth fans seem like their their job is to be pricks about stuff, and I'm just like, well, I guess it fits in with Dave Mustaine, so you know, whatever. <laughs> See, you don't need to defend the man. He's he's won according to most metalheads. You yeah, know? exactly. Like, like like he's yeah. So, you know, with, with that, you know, I'm going to dive in to, to the album before I pollute it with, with their filth. <laughs> to me, to, to me, Euthanasia is the, is the ending of their really strong run of albums because after that, there's a little bit of dipping here and there for me. But Euthanasia is like, it's not my favorite of, of that era, but it's, it, once again, it's that thing where they took a step away you know towards something else and i i always appreciate that and they did it really fucking well on this album and like another thing that further influenced my love for this album is the fact that they did a making of documentary around it which i have on vhs oh very nice (laughs) lucky you (laughs) (laughs) actually my, my my wife bought that for me she was on she went on vacation with her best friend and they were at a uh, some, I don't know where they were, but she saw it on VHS. She's like, do you have this? I'm like, no, please get that for me. Oh, that that's awesome. Yeah. I love, I love little things like that. Yeah. You know, oh, man. I need that. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, the YouTube rip doesn't do it for me anymore. <laughs> I need the physical thing. Um, I've noticed that a lot. There are a lot of things that I really am happy to own. And, and, and it's all like, well, it's probably on YouTube, but I'm like, it's not good enough, man. I want to pop in the tape. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I wish that I could, you know... And I'm speaking as someone who does have a VHS player. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, though, where I think to myself, I'm upstairs, I think to myself, just get out of bed, man. You don't need to, <laughs> you don't need to open YouTube. You don't need to open YouTube. Just go get it. But yeah. Um, just get your get your, get yourself one of those tiny, like, 10-inch TVs that had the VCR in the bottom of it from back in the day and just put that I've next to your... Oh, no, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. It's in the attic somewhere, but I do have Just one. Pop it next to your bed, and then, you know, there you go. You don't even have to get out of bed. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I've definitely thought about digging that bad boy out. Um, oh, but, yeah. Fuck, dude. Like it, to, to me, like, the... I would go as far as to extend, like, the, the, the strong material to, to cryptic writings as well. I'm a big fan of that a, album, a lot of people, A lot of people would agree with you. Um... You know, and I would even, you know, and th- this is really gonna piss off the the <laughs> oh thrash or die crowd, yeah. but like, um, I actually really like Risk. So I, if you, as do I, you know, R- Risk. Yes. I, Risk is better than than uh, Cryptic Writings, in my opinion. Oh, spicy. Um Well, we did we did a well, ranking. I, we already had enough people. Already know my opinion on that. Yeah, so in case anybody is new around here and hasn't seen it, if you want some spicy Megadeth takes, go check out our uh, our two-parter on Megadeth. I mean, I'm just being um, honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're just telling you the truth. <laughs> which is which is like that's that's the thing is that like whenever I do, whenever I talk about albums, like I'm I, I'm I feel like they're and this isn't new in the metal in the metal mm. world. It's been this way since the '80s, where there's the music that you legitimately like, and then there's the music that you say you like in order for it to be part of your uniform. So like a lot of people mm. rank things in a certain way or say an album is their favorite album or a band is their favorite band because it makes them appear like a certain kind of person. I don't give two shits about that. I think Risk is a great album. I have just, you know, I like what I like and there's no, there's no, I'm not a poser. That's a, that's a true yeah. poser right there. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's just a bunch of them waiting in the rings. He's he's wrong. He's wrong. He's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If it if it if it if it chaps your hide that much when somebody likes an album that you think isn't good, if you feel the need to <laughs> there say there is so- a right answer. <laughs> if you feel the need to say something about it, it's probably because your convictions about that album are actually pretty thin. But uh, mm. just saying. Oof. Back to you. Yeah. Asia. Let's let. Let's talk euthanasia. So, uh, starting off a reckoning day, I mean, pretty killer opener. Really heavy, really chuggy. I love that on the toms. Yeah, love that. Train of consequences. Really weird, jerky rhythm that still catch catches me off guard to this day. I love when a song starts with a feel that is going to fake you out. And and continues to do it like like I love it yeah um, addicted to chaos really fun to play on drums especially with a big kit like mine yeah uh, <laughs> a Le Monde is a, is one of the most brilliantly written songs ever I love it I love it it's great that we um, I think I said this on our ranking too but I think this album vocally is Dave Mustaine's best album I think he sounds yeah really good on this one yeah like it, it, Dave Mustaine's voice is a divisive 
top it when it comes to Megadeth, but yeah. I think he sounds really good during this era, especially. Yeah. Uh, Elysian Fields, great song. Killing Road, amazing guitar solo in there. But probably my favorite song on the album. Uh, Blood of Heroes is really cool. Family Tree, deep, dark fucking subject matter, but still a great song. Yeah. Euthanasia, they're channeling a little bit of Black Sabbath going on. Um, I thought I knew it all. Again, is another, it, it's, you know, really melodic but well written song. Black Curtains, probably the heaviest, most chugging thing on here. Contains what I affectionately refer to as a stripper riff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. so, something someone could pole dance to. Uh, and Victory is the closer. And here's the thing, right? I always thought that Victory. It's just, Dave should have just wrote that song and been done with the whole feud. <clears throat> because he just lists off a bunch of songs everybody loves cleverly in the lyrics. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of the lyrics are lines, are part titles, got there in the end, of um, Megadeth songs, right? And he even says in the song, I am a victory. Yeah. Motherfucker could have ended the, the feud there. Could have never even tweeted a single thing. But it's Dave. And <laughs> as much as I love him, he can't shut up. <laughs> so, um, yeah. With that, I mean, it, it's my favorite 1994 album. It's my favorite Megadeth album. Uh, and so, yeah. Of course, it was going to go high. Yeah. So with that, over to you for your sweet number one album. My number one, once 94. again, is an album that uh, nobody would put this at number one. Most people don't even know what this album is. But Green it, Day, Dookie. <laughs> <laughs> that came out in '94. But yes, it was. That yeah. was not. That was actually in my list of 35 because it's a damn good pop punk I, album. But I thought it would be. This this was an album that I actually discovered. They played the video on MTV. I think maybe two times total. <laughs> And the album wow. was very poorly promoted, but not before I could get my hands on it. And it be an album that I have loved for the rest of, of my life up until now. And it, I love it even more because it's an album by a band that just sort of disappeared and then nobody talked about. I'll just go ahead and I don't I don't have a vinyl of this because it's not on vinyl. Um, my number one is the album Stress by Stompbox. Really? Which is no. the shirt that I'm wearing. <laughs> I'm wearing this my Stompbox shirt. Um, this yeah. is a fucking underrated and fantastic album. And very, very recently, I got to interview the lead vocalist, Eric, uh, for, uh, on my channel. Um, if you haven't watched it, check it out. But um, but they're they're back together. But they did a couple like reunion shows for a ben to benefit somebody, and now they've just been very slowly working together again. It's a very slow process for those guys, and I don't even know mm. if it'll ever even come to anything coming out. But they put out this one album that's like it's the same thing with the Fudge Tunnel album. It feels like it fits in an area where it's almost almost on the edge of more of a post hardcore kind of thing, but also has very metallic elements, has fucking riffs that, that give helmet a run for their money. But, mm. but there's something about it. It's, it's to me, one of the tightest 
played albums I've ever heard where all the little mm. stops and starts and shifts and and shifts in tempo everything is like on a fucking dime on this album mm. and on top of it Eric's vocals are more on the metal side of things because the way he sounds he almost sounds like a like a uh I, it's he it, it almost like sometimes like a James Hetfield kind of thing with his vocals because he's very gruff and 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 sometimes it's shouted sometimes he sings and it's there's it's just such a fucking well written album that I've heard probably hundreds of times and every single time there's something about it where I go I never really paid attention to that little section right there and how fucking cool that is but hmm. it's like so this is like when I'm saying it's a very personal number one. It, because I guess when an when an album is something that at the time you're the only person that you know that likes it, and then over time you're one of the few people that ever fucking talks about it, it becomes even more of like an important thing in your life, and that's mm. why it was such a big score when I got to talk to Eric from the band, because I'm just like I never thought I'd ever even hear anything about that band again, let alone get to talk to somebody from that band, and. Mm. It's just such an amazingly important album to me, and it's just one another one of those albums that I understand why it wasn't huge because it is its sound is very like there's a certain number a certain kind of 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 rock and metal fan that would be into it, but those that are it's like right in this sweet spot of just fucking great nineties groove. I don't even know how else to describe it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's a fucking amazing album. And it's the only one they ever did. Who knows if we'll ever get another one. But that's my my number one is uh, Stress by Stompbox. Very nice. For those out in listener world, by the way, I, I wasn't being a dick about Stompbox. He's been wearing a Stompbox shirt this entire time. <laughs> <laughs> so well, to, be, to be fair if i didn't have one and i had a shirt of one of my other albums i would have worn that but it just so happened that yeah my number one i have a shirt of i uh, you know it's you know pa- you know power of deduction or whatever it is process yeah. of elimination yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but we did i gotta give some shout outs because we let the one big one that we both left out was low by testament Neither one of us. We, we did, and it's in my honorable mentions. It's, it's oh, you have some honorable right mentions. Go, go for it. Yeah. So I've you know my honorable mentions are as follows: Low, Nirvana, Unplugged, The Bleeding, Vitalogy, uh-huh. Walk On by Boston, and <laughs> Betty. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I had fuck. I'm trying to remember all the ones I had in there. Um, State of the World Address by Biohazard was in there. Oh man. Um, yeah. It was such a long list of albums. Corn, corns. Yeah, oh, corns. That why? Holy fuck! Neither one of us mentioned corn. Yeah, that one. That one was in my thirty-five. Uh, the first corn album. Um, fucking uh, punk and Drublik by No Effects is in there. There's just like so many great albums that came out in 1994 that it was it was a huge undertaking, and I almost feel bad that we didn't do a top twenty. <laughs> because uh yeah there there's so many albums to talk about and for those of you watching on the youtube channel you, you know comment what albums we left out because i know there's a lot a lot of really good ones and um yeah 
fuck, man. 90, who would have thought 94? Such a fucking huge year. Yeah. And um, very transitional year, too. Yeah. Because it's like the, the end, the, the, the last kind of hurrahs of the grunge era and the, the beginning of what would be the rest of the 90s, really. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a great year. But yeah, if we and I, I love the fact that as I was doing this, I kept thinking about albums and I go, oh, fuck that album. And then I'd be like, oh, that one was 95. Oh, that one was 93. And so the more, the more, yeah. that, the more that that <laughs> happened, the more I thought to myself, those are another two years that are going to be fucking difficult as hell to do. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, my 92 list was such a bitch. Like, yeah. I, if I could have, I'd have done a top 30. <laughs> in, my, in my memory, 92 was actually easier for me to do than 90, 93. So, or 94. God fucking mm. 94. That's what we just did. Anyway. <laughs> But that was great. We covered a lot of ground, and um, and you are it's it is weird because you mentioned an album like Vitology by Pearl Jam, and like I I think that was my number one when we did the Pearl Jam ranking, and I'm like, yeah, that fucking album's great. But that, once mm. again, that was in my 35, and as I was like doing my little chart and trying to figure things out, albums just kept getting eliminated, and um, probably the one that hurt the most to eliminate was um, Low by Testament. That was the one where I'm like, yeah, this album's so fucking good, but okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, man. That so was yeah. fun. Yeah, that was fun. So that was our ranking of, of 1994, our top 10 favorites. Feel free to put your Very top nice. 10 favorites or email me, oldheadpodcast at gmail.com. What are your top 10 favorites? It, you know, that, it just comes to me and I just get to read it and then. I'm very bad at replying, so I apologize. Sometimes I, I'm, I'm sometimes I'm good at replying, depending <laughs> on the day. Um, I get distracted easily. Um, so yeah, Same. <laughs> so we we still got a couple more episodes left of 2022, and season three. And, yeah, <laughs> and next uh, next week we're gonna be jumping back onto another band, and um, right? Are we? Yeah. Yes. Yes, we're doing another band, um, and then we have kind of a special one to wrap up the year. Yes. Although, although this year we will not be doing a Christmas episode, but I feel like we did a really good one last year. You can just go back and watch the Christmas one again this year. Yeah. And I'm also, I'm also bringing the festive vibes with the, you know, this is one of many Christmas jumpers I have. So, uh, I have yeah. none, I have none, but you know, once again, like I said, there's That's no, a good, it's, it's a good not, thing I have plenty. There's no sweater <laughs> weather in here. It's either, you know, you wear a jacket and you take it <laughs> off when you go inside or it's hot as fuck. Um, <clears throat> okay. So yeah. I try not to jack it outside. <laughs> <laughs> that was on that note. That was great. Um, all right. Thank you very much. Peanut butter platypus to all of you out there. Once again, thanks to, to everyone that's been listening because our Spotify numbers were, were great. And that once again, like, you know, I, I don't know how you get sponsors. I've tried to look into it and it seems very complicated, but if we're doing that well, especially on Spotify, I'll sell a fucking mm. wallet or some shit on our uh, yeah. podcast. But either way, um, thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you next time for another band ranking. And as usual, I'm going to throw it over to Mr. Eddie Sparks to take us out. I'm going to go for a, go for a classic one on this one. Later, dude. <laughs>